0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: There's a voice that keeps on calling me. Down the road, that's where I'll always be.
1: Ever stop by me.
3: i UK. The one, the only, Ask Sue. Call three four seven three two seven nine six nine four 327 9694 or email asksueshow at gmail.com. Here is your host, Ask Sue Davies.
4: Hi, and welcome to the Ask Sue Show. Well, I think we might have a busy show tonight. Do we think that the police are right to be able to stand up for the laws? Where do they actually push the line? Do they really need to do some of the things that they do? I must admit, when I started to do this show tonight and when I started to put it all together, and somebody inboxed me and told me about dogs that were being shot by the police. It sort of chucked me a bit because I, I, I must admit, I live in the UK in Shropshire. And it's not something that I actually hear very often until I started to look on YouTube and Facebook. And then I got in touch with um, a good friend of mine now, I've just got to say, Um, and their page is called Justy Bully. I may be saying this wrong and she will have to call in and tell me off if if I've got this wrong. Kahula, I think that's right. And she has helped me no end. She sent me a list of all these different pages of so many different people that are literally struggling, struggling to come to terms with the fact that their pet dog has been shot. Not, not for any reason sometimes. Um, it literally just starts off as they've come into the um, backyard because there may have been alarm or whatever, and they've literally shot the dog i think the last one i've seen that really did push all boundaries and i'm not saying any others didn't was literally when i heard a german shepherd a 15 year old had been shot 15 what would be the reason for this what would mean make them think like that Tonight, um, I'm going to be ringing into the studio a very good friend of mine um, who is, and I've just got to say, I've just got to write the number down because I haven't even got it down to be able to ring in. Um, But I'm going to be ringing in uh, my good friend, Jim. He is one that does literally know what he's talking about. He's a, oh, I'll tell him, let him tell you all about what he is. He's an amazing bloke who knows what he's talking about he's actually dealing with some of these cases at the moment. So um, I'm actually going to tra- just try this phone number just to see um, this line here. Hold on a minute. Hi, area code 916. Hi, how are you doing? Anybody there? Hello? Hi, how are you doing?
3: Hey, this is Paige. I was just listening to the show. I'm sorry, it There's no
1: sound
3: on the chat room. I didn't realize I was in. Oh, yes, I could see you literally on the liner. Right, I'm
4: not sure what's happening here because I'm actually seeing on the chat room everywhere that there is no sound. Now, this is going to be very, very annoying to me, to say the least. So if everybody, um, I'm going to have to see if I can get everybody um, to sign out and sign back in. I'm I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, Sign out. Let me just put it in and see i tell you what Paige Just um, try it Sign out and then sign back in And see if that works
3: Okay I will And yeah I just turned on the phone Because I thought well I want to hear this (laughs) Oh it's
4: okay because Andrea's got sound That's one (laughs) Okay I don't believe this This is one of the shows that I like Just can't wait to be doing Do you know what I mean Right, while everybody's I know, signing so out and signing back in
3: okay sorry? um i'm right there with them all right well <laughs> i'm sorry to interrupt your conversation go ahead no nope, not at all not at all
4: how are you very quickly just to tell everybody this is um saving bandit's mum um how's things
3: going Things are things seem to be progressing, and I'm I'm thrilled that all this attention is getting out of the media, paying a lot of attention, or the word through the radio, and the sites is getting a lot of attention now, and so Fantastic. I'm thrilled. And I hear sounds, and I'm getting echo. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, I appreciate that.
4: Yes, listen, it's because you've got the sound obviously back, so that's brilliant news. Listen, I'll I'll catch up with you later, and uh, let me know if you need any more help.
3: Well, thank you. Yes, yeah, Sandy's gone right now, and we talked. She just left to go see Bandit, and um, so, you know, we're trying our very best. As someone brought to my attention, is only a few weeks away, and it just really hurts me. So I'm thinking this is we're on the right path. And bless yes. you for
4: doing this. B- fingers crossed for you. <laughs>
3: thank okay. you.
4: Onwards and upwards, and I'll catch up with you soon.
3: All right. Thank you.
4: Cheers, love. Bye-bye. All right.
3: Bye. Bye-bye.
4: And hopefully, if I'm writing thinking, I I will have my very good friend uh, with me now. Jim, hi. How are you doing, Jim?
1: I'm great, Sue. How are you today?
4: I was just finding your number to call you from the studio, so thanks for that. <laughs> How are you doing? Hi, everything going sure okay?
1: That. Uh everything's doing good here. Um, I wasn't sure if you were calling me or I was calling you, so I figured I'd call you.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless you. No, Jim. First of all, can you please tell everybody? Uh, I I would say tell every everything about you, but we would be here on the two hour show just telling everybody about that. So you you just give them a little bio about yourself, love.
1: Well, uh, it's me, Jim Crosby. I'm here in Florida in the U.S., and I'm an expert on fatal dog attacks and uh, dog behavior and dog aggression. And I've been involved and am involved in uh, several of the cases looking at um, use of force against dogs, by, uh, particularly by police at this point.
4: Now, now am I to saying that you used to be in, in the police yourself as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I did uh, 23 years with the the sheriff's department here in Jacksonville and retired as a lieutenant, which uh, on your end of the world would be like a full inspector. And um, yeah, so I'm that's part of you know one of the things that adds in here is I'm not a, a person that's typically uh, critical of the police. In fact, if anything, I'm more likely to be reflexively uh, defensive of them, because I was one for many years, and part of the result of that is that I know the training they get and don't get, and uh, I understand how their world works, so uh, I can kind of look at it from both sides now.
4: Well, to be honest, that's one of the first things I was going to say to you, like, when we first start the show. I just want to let... Um, all of the police know that we are not against the police I I am more than aware that there is cases where there is nothing else that can be done but to shoot a dog if it is absolutely extremely necessary that there is no other way of stopping this dog especially if there's children or adults or or animals or whatever lives are at risk obviously there has got to be times when they, they can't do anything else Jim to be fair
1: Mm-hmm, exactly, and it's it's just like with people, you know, you you don't want to shoot any people, but if it's as a police officer, you know, using your firearm is the last choice. But if it's shoot one person and save a whole school full of children, yes, which one you pick?
2: Yeah,
4: exactly, exactly. So you've been dealing with some of the cases that we're going to be talking about tonight um what? What, how, how this has this just recently been Jim, or has it been going for quite some time? You know because it, it it just seems to me like I, I must admit, it's like if you buy a red car or a, a red car with pink spots, suddenly everybody would have one, and as soon as you go to investigate something, suddenly you seem to find loads.
1: That's is it literally enough. just
4: started, or have they all has it been going on for quite a while?
1: I'm not sure. I, I think it's probably a combination of, of a couple of things. You know, there have always been uh, intersections, if you will, of where police officers and other officials, post, postmen and, and UPS people, and whatever, come in conflict conflict with dogs. Uh, it, it, it's always happened. It always will. Um, some of those cases go better than others. I mean, in, I know in my career, There were a number of occasions where I came in in potentially in conflict with with a dog that wasn't the most friendly in the world. Fortunately, um, I never used deadly force against any such dog and was never placed in that position. Um, I'm not sure if we've got more of these happening now. Or if simply people are more sensitive to it because of the publicity that's been around some of the incidents. The other thing that, that, that may be part of it is that with the Internet and Twitter and Facebook and the huge ability to reach out from one, one uh, literally all around the world in just a flash, maybe it's just becoming easier for us to hear about these when they're happening. Um, I I don't know because there really hasn't been a quantification that I'm aware of of how many per year happen by who and where. I do know if you put in, like we were talking the other day, if you put in dog shooting police into Google, it comes up with something over 120 million hits. So those all didn't just happen this year.
2: Yeah, yeah.
4: it's it's really difficult because, I mean, we've got so many different stories. I mean, I I must admit, I had, um, no, I'm going to say this again, but I'm probably going to say this wrong, Justice Bully and Kahula. Hopefully she'll be calling in. Um, and she's helped me and she sent me a load of links of all these different dogs that have been shot. And I looked at the list and there was loads of like pages, groups, and everything on Facebook. And there's loads of different things, but... The main thing is that we've had police that may have had, um, you know, like a, an alarm go off or whatever, and they're doing their job. They go in and check in the house, and they've gone through the back gate to check, obviously, the back of the property or whatever, and there's been a dog in the backyard, and he's come up to them. And the police are just, I, I don't know how to put it, really, if it's scared or, or what it is, but they are just shooting these dogs, Um now, to be fair, I know my dogs, I mean, I've got a Rottweiler and I've got two Labrador Crosses. If you go to the back gate, yep, they're protecting. Where does it come to the point that it's a pet and it's protecting and then it's their safety gym? Where is where is this line? Because I, I think most dogs, I'm not going to say all, but most dogs are protecting their property when they're, when they're there, and a lot of us have them for that. Yeah, and and that's one of
1: those things that that we need to, to, to really work on, um, to begin with, I can tell you from my own experience, having, having been there and also from talking to officers, your typical police officer gets no training on how to deal with a difficult animal. Um, they're just assumed that, I guess it's assumed that you know it from divine intervention or something. But there's no training given anybody that, that I'm aware of, nothing concerted. Now they're beginning to be a little, bit, a little bit to some, and I'm actually putting some together myself, but in the past there hasn't been. So that's been a tool the officers haven't been given, even though they're given extensive training on everything else you can think of. That said, though, there, there's, you know, dogs are going to be naturally protective of their own property, yet police officers also have legitimate reasons to go on that property. So it's we've got to work on giving the officers the information they need in a couple of real specific places. Number one is how to perceive a valid threat from a dog. Um, you know, most dogs, and not all, and there's always one that's going gonna, to gonna blow the curve, if you will. Most yeah. dogs, if they feel threatened by you, they will run and charge at you, but dogs have... A a personal space Just like people And most of the times They'll run up And if you watch They'll run up And stop Three or four feet away To see what you're going to do Because Really Unless there's A screw loose Or they've been encouraged Elsewise Or whatever They really don't want To get in a fight They want you to go away Because you're something That's frightening them Or worrying them Or concerning them So in their minds They come up And give this Aggressive display and then, then stop to see if you're going to back off. Because if you back off and they can back off, survival-wise, the species goes on its merry way and nobody gets hurt. So, yeah. um, one of the things that we need to do is educate officers how to perceive the distance, the the, the, the that that reaction, that uh, behavior, and how to. Uh, you know, the safest thing to do is if you see something like that, you basically brace yourself and freeze and don't look straight at the dog, but don't turn around and run or and don't keep coming to it, and both of you are probably going to stop. And then it's very common that you'll be able to slowly back off and go back to the edge. Now, the police officer has to do his job, but sometimes the, the level of response to that job has to be different. We know here in the States that when it comes to silent alarms homes, somewhere between 95 and 99% of them are bad. Every police officer out there knows that for the most part, most residential alarms are false alarms. It's been set mm-hmm. off accidentally, the wind did it, whatever. So if you, you pull up to a house where you've been 37 times or maybe you've never been, you see that there's a sign that says, beware of dog. You look and you see a doggy bowl. We have to teach these officers, okay, let's stop, fellas, and think. Look around. Yeah, you're going to look to see if there's a burglary happening in progress. And every once in a while there is. But take a second, rattle the fence, and go, here, doggy. Now, if there's a dog, then you back up and you see, okay, can I see the back of the house from the neighbor's yard? Um, can I make friends with this dog and get into the yard safely? Is a dog just going to stay away from me? Um, if there has to be a confrontation, instead of going to deadly force first, uh, pepper spray, oleocapsicum spray, which the police carry, is extremely effective with dogs. I have never seen a dog get sprayed in the face with pepper spray that didn't stop, kind of wrinkle its nose and look at itself with its eyes and paw at its face and wind up walking off and usually rubbing its face on the grass and trying to make the stinging go away. It's non-lethal. Yes. It's very effective. It, there's no permanent injury involved. And the police officer can go about his business, and the dog will be fine in about 30, 40 minutes. Yes. So we need to inform the officers on these less-than-lethal alternatives. And, and when that is more reasonable, you know, you, again, you walk up to the, the place, you see they've got to be where a dog sign out, you rattle the, the fence and whatever, but nothing happens, okay, so you're going in the fence, you still pull out your, your spray in one hand, you, you have your gun in the other hand for just in case there's a real bad human, and you're ready, and you're prepared, and you're mentally ready not to get surprised if the dog's asleep or whatever. It's, it's yeah. a matter of giving information, training, and, and alternatives. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not happening. Too often, these people are just going straight for deadly force.
2: Yeah.
4: And you saying that, I mean, I read one. Now, I'm not sure if you actually told me about it or if I found it myself, but there was one, a 15-year-old German shepherd. um, the, The police had had a call out. The burglar alarm had gone off. They'd gone through the back gate to go and check the back of the property, like you say you know, gone in this dog had come up to it, and they'd shot it fifteen year old and all it was was a door ajar
1: mhm and and the thing is this you know with would, 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 how how much easier would it have been for when that fifteen year old dog came around the corner to just give it a quick squirt with the pepper spray or even try looking at it and going, "No, sit." Or no, yeah. bad dog. Sometimes in they'll the stop and go, Oh, wait a minute. You know, there there's a very clear what's called a matrix of force that here in the US is taught to police. And it's you know, we're allowed here to use whatever force is reasonably necessary to effect an arrest or to protect yourself or whatever. And that starts with excuse me, Ms. Davies, um, I have a warrant for your arrest. Please place your hands behind your back so I can handcuff you, and we can go down and get this taken care of at the station. And you go, oh, thank you very much, Lieutenant Crosby. I will be happy to go with you, and we can get this, and we both (laughs) go on in a civilized manner, which is how it usually works in Britain. Here, you know, you you wind up with, Ms. Davies, I have to take you under arrest, and you turn around and swing at me. And then we (laughs) go through the minimum necessary force, whether it's simply telling you knock it off or grabbing you and handcuffing you or spraying you with a chemical agent or even using a taser on you. But there's a lot of there's a lot of real estate between, hello Miss Davies, would you come with me and bang you're dead. Yeah. We teach yep. that with humans. We have to give these guys the information to understand that although dogs aren't human, they're still people's property, they're still people's companions Let's try using our brains. We're we're supposed to be the ones with the big brains. Let's try using them and using reasonable levels of force instead of jumping straight off the deep end.
4: Exactly, exactly. Now, I must admit, I mean, I'm thinking, like you said, police are charging into properties um, and literally knocking the door down, and then Mm -hmm. they are shooting the pet. Now, okay, now I saw one, for instance, and this is, Again, giving you another situation, but I saw one where a guy was being arrested. They pretty well knocked the door down to get in. This guy was being arrested. There, there was um, a mum and a child in the house, and they literally shot the dog. Now, is the dog right to be shot when, at the end of the day, that dog is protecting the family? And does that need to be done in front of a child? What must that child I mean, never mind the fact that they shot the dog, but what that child has seen.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we've got you've got to throw some responsibility Sorry? back on back some some responsibility back on the owner too, because okay, yes. you're going into to arrest Daddy. He's a bad guy. Um, if you yes. are kicking his door down, it means he's done something pretty serious. If Daddy had been stupid and gotten shot, that would have victimized the child even more. And yet, that's Daddy's responsibility. Yeah. Um, the, the, now, you know, I'm not saying they should they should be blasting be blasting the dogs at all. But what I am, but what I do say is that in certain circumstances, depending on the severity of the incident, you've got to judge your response. If you're going in, if the SWAT team is going into a house with an armed suspect that's liable to open up on them with an automatic weapon, I don't expect them to necessarily take the time to make friends with the dogs because that's just dumb. That puts <laughs> the officers yeah. and the other people in the house and the neighborhood and everybody at at risk. But if you're yeah. chasing if you're chasing a shoplifter that stole a, a case of Cokes from the local grocery and he jumps over a fence and as you're running up to the fence and you've got a, other officers driving around And as you're running up to the fence, you look and you see a dog bowl and stuff in the backyard, maybe you should stop a second and get your buddy to help you catch him on the other side instead of blasting through the yard and then shooting a dog that now has had two people run through his yard. It needs to be weighed on on how serious the offense is. Uh, And, you know, if the guy's running from you and jumps into a yard with a dog, Maybe you're better in just waiting and letting the dog handle the situation. Uh, been yeah. there and done that, and actually had to have owners come out and, res- and p- grab their dog to rescue a bad guy out of a tree. The bad guy was up there screaming, "Help! Help! Police! Help! Help!" Because he was yeah. about to be eaten up by the dog. Good dog. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So yeah, you, know, you have to weigh weigh these situations. Um, but- If if you're going into a house for a bad guy but you've done your surveillance and you know there's a dog there, maybe you should have one of your officers that that has a big can of spray or even one of those rubber bullet guns whose entire job is just to look for the dog or dogs and neutralize them in the most gentle manner or, or the safest manner possible.
4: Yeah. I was just going to say that to you. Could they? I mean, I have watched, um, like, quite a few of the YouTube videos, and I think to myself, in the one, they must have had 20 police, right? Mm-hmm. Could they not have, like you said, just had one or two officers literally to cope with? You know, they, they always say, you know, make sure that the family's safe. Hey, hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. The, the dogs are part of our family, so can right. they not put, for the safety of the dog, for the safety of the family, for the safety of the officers, can they not put somebody and say, right, excuse me, uh, your job is, if it's a dog, it. I, I don't care if they've got a handful of treats or a, a piece of steak in their hand, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anything, you know?
1: I think it would be be, be, be very reasonable to have at least one person on an entry team that is not only trained in the, the normal stuff, but has some extra training. And, you know, again, you, very rarely do you go, in re, real life, do you go kicking in a door where you haven't got some sort of surveillance or or information, and especially now when you've got people booby-trapping places and whatever. So you, you probably know whether there's a dog there. So if there is a yeah. dog there, then... You know, in an entry team, you've got the guy with 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 the thing that bashes the door, and you've got a guy with a shield, and you've got the, guy, the first guy with the with the weapon, and you've got this guy doing this, and you've got somebody who's assigned to put uh, uh, to isolate possible witnesses and keep them covered and safe, so just until you're sure that they're not suspects. So yeah. you can have one guy whose responsibility is to keep the dog off everybody else, and if that means yeah. that. You send him in in his regular police gear, but from the t- from the top of his boots to his belt, he's got bite resistant pants on. I have a pair of chaps that th- they're meant to be snake chaps, but I use them when evaluating something dangerous or that's killed somebody because if a, even a huge dog bites him, I'll get bruised, but I'm not going to get hurt so there there's you can have your one guy that's got your your dog dog proof pants on. And his job is that if there's a dog, while everybody else deals with the humans, his job is to subdue, control, um, back off, lay hands on whatever, the dog. Yeah. Not unreasonable.
4: Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, the thing is, they they obviously, like you say, they do the surveillance because obviously, uh, for instance, if it's a drug person, a drug dealer or whatever, they obviously will know that he's a drug dealer. They'll be watching who's coming and who's going. Surely to goodness they could have found out that there was a dog or something. And let's face it, what percentage in the U.S. is actual dog owners anyway? How many people in the U.S. have actually –
1: Something like three-quarters of the people in the U.S. own a a dog or a pet at least. And I think it's something like two-thirds of those are dogs. So there's a huge number of dogs out there most you know, exactly
4: so and let's face it, if you're a crook, you're going to want a dog that's going to protect you, so you're not going mm-hmm. to expect to have well i'll I'll say this, and then I'll be shot down for this myself um it's not probably going to be a poodle, jumping mean or a little nice little cute thing that's going to come and lick your hand. It's usually going to be something of defensive to protect them
1: yeah, exactly, and you can expect that if the person is irresponsible enough to have cross police attention to the point that they're kicking in his door, then he's probably not a responsible dog owner that's taught his dog to be friendly and, and give kisses and, and and say hello and so forth. But the dog's probably got issues too. Uh, you know, yeah. that that's a reasonable expectation. And again, most of these cases or most police actions, unless you're it's simply robbery suspects that bailed out in front of you and you're in hot foot pursuit, You've done some surveillance. You have an idea whether there are animals there. If there's drugs, who knows? There may be, um, you know, you've done some surveillance to figure out whether this particular goat dealer is likely to be armed because you want to know in advance what kind of weapons you may be going up against. You want to know if if this person, if it's some kind of a violent crime, if they're liable to have explosives. So you've done some research. Use that research and, and plan, okay. We know this guy has this, this giant standard poodle named Ralph that's been attack trained by the kennel down the street. So your job is to take Ralph. Everybody else will worry about the humans. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah.
1: And, and this is the thing. I mean, it's this, just this is sure. Exactly. And
4: surely half of that is common sense. Because, I mean, I'm thinking about the the, the people that got that child. Obviously, that dog must have been... I'm going to say, child-friendly, because it was in the house for the child. Or
1: at so, least child-tolerant, so...
4: Yeah, do you know what I mean? So, But the thing was, it seemed so instant just to shoot the dog. Just so instant. It wasn't even... Yeah. I mean, some of them are just horrendous. I mean, one lady... Now, I know there's one lady is in the chat room who's going to call in shortly, called Christine, but I know there was another one where apparently this woman was actually holding... Her dog um, had literally just grabbed hold of the dog, and there was another one. The one got shot, and the other one literally got hit by the bullet as it was going to the other one. And she was holding mm-hmm. the dog.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, and there's been some, some ridiculous cases. There's, uh, I, I'm aware of that one. Um, and, and the problem is that when she started throwing bullets around you can you can never be real sure where they're going. There was a case, exactly. I don't remember if it was two or three years ago, and I believe it was in the state of Connecticut, but it was in the northeastern U.S., where two police officers were going up to handle some kind of a call, and there was a dog in a carport, uh, like an open garage. And somehow it led to that there was a 12-year-old girl that had come out and was trying to grab the dog. One of the officers felt threatened, He wound up firing a shot. The shot went through the dog, hit the concrete, ricocheted up, and killed his partner. So here, the officer reacting to the dog has killed the other police officer. Now, that's something that he's going to take to his grave, but how bad could it have been if instead he'd simply, again, pepper sprayed the dog? I know in my training and in my time on the street, I've been pepper sprayed by my own officers more than once or twice. It hurts like the dickens, but you live through it. That's why when they give us pepper spray, you get sprayed so you know you're not going to die and you know it's just really uncomfortable, and that way you just don't curl up and start crying on the end of the street. Instead, you can continue to do your job. Um, you know, So if in that case a less lethal alternative had been followed, then there would be – one police officer whose family would not be missing their, their loved one and another police officer that wouldn't be dragging that, that guilt and problem around with him for the rest of his life and a little girl who wouldn't have had a dog shot right in front of him. Everybody would have won.
4: Yeah. John, yeah, sorry, I think, I'm reading the chapter as pro- well.
1: Sorry. Yeah, I, I, think, I think one of the big things is that we need to work on people understanding, interpreting, and, and logically replying to levels of perceived threat. Not every dog wants to bite you, and yeah. a lot of them are just, a lot of them are just scared and or trying to protect their property. And so let, let's again use our brains.
4: yeah, but Jim, don't you find that you know? Let's face it, we've had a lot. I mean, what with Lennox and everything else, and we've had this where it's pit bull lookalikes and blah blah blah. But do you find that a lot of police are judging the dog just because of its breed, not necessarily because it's nasty? I'm not being funny, you know, pit bulls are strong dogs and they come charging at you and they may be friendly, but I'm sitting on a garden fence for a minute here and don't everybody go mad at me in the chat room. I am just got to chuck me other side. I'm stood by the gate. I'm a police officer. I'm stood by the gate and you've got a pit bull that's coming at you at a rate of not. Is it always easy to be able to tell what they're going to do?
1: No. I, it doesn't It doesn't really matter what kind of dog. A big dog is way scarier to us than a little dog. But I'll tell you, when I get called, and, and I've got some appointments this week, when I get called to go work with somebody who's having aggression problems with their dog, if they tell me they have a little dog, I know there's a real good chance I'm going to get bitten, where if there's a big dog... Just because the way they react, I, I know there's a good chance that I can work out and negotiate and have a discussion with this dog on a, on a low-key level, and probably not get bitten. So, just you can't just guess based on the size of the dog. And uh, there was yeah. a case here in the states last year where, once again, a police officer shot a little Westie that was nibbling at his that was snapping at his ankles. Give me a mm-hmm. break. You don't need a gun <laughs> to take yeah. out a seven-pound dog.
2: Ridiculous.
1: It, at very <laughs> worst, a good swift kick and the dog is going to run away. Dog exactly. Dogs
2: start
4: throwing lead. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you know what, though, Jim? And, and on finding these groups and like pages and everything else, I have got to say to you, I even found one where it was a cat. I mean that just blew my mind. I, do you know what I mean? I must admit, I've lost the link. I've got to find the link. But if anybody's seen this, there was something about a cat had been shot as well. I mean, and, and then, yeah, oh, I think, I think it was you was telling me about, was it a stag or something you said that had been shot?
1: I, I, I'm sorry, you were breaking up here. I'm not aware of any cats being shot, although it would not surprise me. Um, you know, and... and if someone's shooting a cat, it better be the size of, oh, an Ocelot or better before you start using a gun against it, because it's going to be, if nothing else, the ribbing at the station later is going to be fatal. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, here's the, here, here's the guy who's afraid of the kitty cat, you know, I'll forget about yeah. that. Line. But, um, you know, there's, there's no telling what kind of, of response you're going to get sometimes, but... And, and I understand that, for instance, there are people who are afraid of cats. It's, it's you know, not logical, but they are. Who are afraid of dogs? But when you, when you put on a uniform to be an animal control officer or or a police officer, or whatever, you've got to put that stuff away. You know, you can't you can't shoot a person because um, that's dressed up as a clown because as a as a child you had a bad experience and are afraid of clowns. That doesn't yeah. wash.
2: Yeah. See,
4: the other thing I was thinking as well, we we I mean, the police actually work with German Shepherds and different types of dogs, and, and I have actually seen some of the police. I mean, let me just tell everybody, I am in the UK, so I'm trying to work with the US even though I've never been there, so just bear with me. But obviously I've seen where the police have actually, some of them have actually had pit bull dogs working with them as well, and all mm-hmm. of these dogs are working with them and are actually fighting to protect the police officers but then when a family has got a dog and it's protecting them, they are shooting them. Well, so sure to the goodness that, they can understand the protecting part of the dog when it's actually protecting them as well.
1: See, and, and, and that's where the, you do wind up with a conflict even within the police. Um, I had an officer that worked for me that was afraid of dogs, and he made a comment because we had a canine out helping us search for the suspect. That uh made a comment in my hearing that well that dog gets gets confused and starts coming at me i 'm going to shoot him, and I looked at the officer and said, "You shoot that dog i 'm going to put you in jail and have you fired because number one, that dog is better trained and and worth more money than you are, and number two, just because you 're an idiot doesn 't mean you get to do what you want so there there, there sometimes there's a conflict there um I'm not going to say it never happened, but I I would bet if we could do some research, we'd find that very, very few of the officers that are shooting dogs have ever been assigned to canine duty or worked with their own large dogs. Uh, and yeah. So, again, it's a matter of ed- people who are not educated and people who don't have a skill set Of being able to understand what's going
2: on yeah yeah now
4: obviously to say you're trained for this these circumstances is an understatement but what how difficult would the training be Jim to actually put these police through a course or something so that they could assess the signs before they have to shoot the dog and do and the other thing I need to ask you is, do they actually carry this pepper spray or whatever with them at all times, or is it just something it's, it's up to the officer if they want to carry it?
1: Typically, if the pepper spray is issued to you, it's got a little holster, it goes on your belt, so it goes with you everywhere that you go, just like your gun or your uh, collapsible baton or your flashlight or anything else that goes on your, your Batman utility belt. Um, so typically, and, and departments can easily, if they have it at at uh, discretion, they could easily say, okay, you have to have your pepper spray on you all the time. It's simple. You just it, you know, takes just that long. You put out a memo and say, if you don't have it, you're getting written up. Um, yeah. Most departments require you to require the officers to carry various kinds of less lethal defensive ish items, such as batons pepper spray a lot of them have tasers now everybody carries handcuffs to restrain somebody safely so those less less lethal tools are already available in 99 percent of the, the, the places um, as far as teaching the officers uh, i'm looking at putting together what's probably going to be like a four-hour course which which is going to be pretty in-depth and we're going to It'll address everything from the basic behavior signs to the options of less, less lethal tool. I keep tripping over that. But um, because you can't guarantee anything is not lethal. I mean, you yeah. might have a person or a dog that's, for crying out loud, allergic to your, your aftershave and could die from it. But less lethal, you know, those things not likely to, to cause a fatality or even serious injury in most cases. And it's just a matter, I think, of getting the officers to to think about it and to realize these tools are air, are there and to give them a framework to work with it and suggestions just to get them thinking. So it doesn't have to be – you're not talking about spending 40 hours or 80 hours or whatever teaching them to be doggy behaviorists or behavior analysis or analysts or um, experts on, on everything. It's just a matter of giving them enough information to understand that many of the tools they've already been taught apply. Um, police officers are taught you know to pay attention to human body language so you can protect yourself. They're taught a defensive stance so you can keep yourself from harm. That same defensive stance you would take with a human will also help defuse a human-dog interaction, that angled stance where you're not directly facing them. Little things like yeah. this, they, they've got this toolkit. They just need to understand how it translates. So we're yeah. not talking about starting from, from zero with, with a brand-new language or a brand-new set of, of things that they've never heard of. It's getting them to pay attention to how what they know will translate, and they can, so then they already know how to use it in other situations, so the transition will be easy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. See, the
4: thing is, after what you've just said, I'm I'm thinking to myself, well, in that case, like you're saying, you know, they should be able to be trained to be able to see what's going to, you know, what's coming, what's happening with the dogs and stuff. So let's put it in a different perspective then, Jim. If they've got a human charging at them, Right, we don't know the we don't know this person properly. We all we can see is this human is just charging at them. They've got you can't see they've got long sleeves on. They could have a knife, they could have a gun. We don't know, can't see. Does that mean we can just blow them away because of the fact of we don't know what they're going to do? And and what training are the police given? You know what are you told as a police officer? to go about with that human charging at you, what is the training that's put forward for that?
1: Well, if, you, if you've got a human in that position, for, for instance, you can't see his hands, and he's coming at you openly aggressively, and he's not responding to um, verbal commands, when he gets within a, a certain distance, yeah, you're, if you've done everything you can, because you're dealing with a human, to make it clear to this person, stop what you're doing or I'm going to use deadly force against you. Yeah, you can go ahead and plug them because at that point you have, you know, their, their, their body posture, their physical actions, everything is telling you that they intend you harm. You still have to be able to explain later why you thought this. Yes, the person had their, their hands in their hoodie and they were screaming and yelling and coming straight at me, and I told them 27 times or whatever, stop, 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 or I'll shoot, stop, or I'll shoot. The guy got within within 10 feet of me, and I shot twice. And at that point, he fell down, and the threat was removed. Um, you know, in that kind of a case, you're not... It depends on the situation. If you've got the time to deploy one of these other weapons, then you can't. Now, if you have somebody walking rapidly towards you instead of dead run and you can see their hands and they're spouting off, you know, talking crazy stuff and hearing the voices and they keep approaching you and don't respond. Then, you, you, you know, you are justified in responding to keep them from harming you, but that body language and physical ability, you are as a professional expected to realize, oh, this person may be mentally unstable. So instead of grabbing your gun, you grab the pepper spray or you pull out your taser and you use a less lethal method because this is a disturbed person that's, that's not thinking right and not responding. Um, if yeah. a person is walking, and again, third situation, person is walking towards you and they're obviously teed off and angry and they're kind of gesticulating around, but you can tell that they're basically blowing off steam and and just running their mouth, and you tell them to knock it off, and they're kind of walking towards you, but they're they're not charging you. Yeah, then you then you spray them and you grab them and you put handcuffs on them. So so mm. you have that training to judge the difference between the guy that really made the and it, it all may be the same person in, in on a yeah. different day but yeah. you you're taught to make those very quick assessments. And so again, you know, if we if we teach people, you know, you see the dog running at you, but he's kind of kind of looking around and he's barking and he's but his tail is down and his ears are back and he's looking like he really he's just rather not be there. Okay, freeze. Back off and yeah. have your pepper spray yeah. out. If the dog yeah. is is slobbering and his tail is up, and his ears are up, and this is a confident dog that's on full attack mode. Okay, you've got a bigger problem here.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Get that, get that self to the other side of the fence quickly, or defend yourself. But for instance, there was a shooting here in the U.S. where the guy, the officer's on one side of the fence, and he shot a, a dog in the next yard on the other side of the fence. Explain to me.
4: How that dog's a threat. See, don't even start me off because I can feel an to rant coming on. <laughs> but the thing is, though, so, what do what what do they actually get for this, Jim? You know what what I mean? I'm just I've got to read some of the comments that are just flying past me on this um, chat here. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew said, but the problem is they do not respect the dog or see it as living being. It's that you that you need to change. Um, Pebbles has that, put Jim. Should part of it. Um, Pebbles put Jim should video this four-hour course and make it available to all police departments? So we'll come to that okay. in a minute, Jim. Um, Paige has put. I think they should do a yearly refresher course, just like your driving license. Um,
1: uh, and police officers are required. in in pretty much every jurisdiction to go through yearly what we call in-service training to keep their certifications active so that they're brought up to speed on changes in the law and changes in use of force policy and things that our Supreme Court does or whatever. So those opportunities are there.
2: Yeah, yeah.
4: And and the thing is, I mean – Another, I mean, there's so many instances I could give you instances all night, but one I heard that, um, and Andrew just actually mentioned it a minute ago in the chat room about the dog that was actually on, a, um, oh, what do you call it, a choker? What do you call it, Jim? Pole? You know what yes, I mean? Pole. A dog pole? Yeah. And and it was on the pole, and this um, dog person was holding the dog, and the police literally went round this person to shoot the dog on a pole.
1: Yeah, and. I'm not going to go into real details because that's still an open case, but I'm actively involved in that case. Um, Thank I'm goodness. Working with, <laughs> I'm working with the people out there that's, that's in the state of Colorado, which is up in the mountains in the central western part of the U.S. Um, there are some real concerns with that. I can tell you that it is public uh, information that the officer involved has been charged with felony animal cruelty, the officer that did the shooting. Um, okay. Which means that in the u s he could go to to prison for a year or more for his actions. Um, he 's been charged, not convicted. Um, that hmm. situation is still unfolding, but um, there are some very serious concerns with that situation and like i said i 'm directly involved with with the attorneys on that case, so um, so that that is not going to just disappear.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, and, and we're hoping we're hoping that that case will actually lead us to be able to um, make permanent differences in other places based on the precedent set by this one.
2: Yeah,
4: yeah. Um, I'm just going to read. Um, Jennifer's just put police officers should be required to turn on the lights or horn or something to notify homeowners that they are there, especially if it is dark and the officer has no lights on. This is not fair for the police to creep round in a yard at night and shoot. Uh, Jennifer, I can sort of agree with that, but the thing is, uh, police officers sometimes have to go in the dark simply because they need to be catching somebody, and like Jim said, that has done something they shouldn't. And let's face it, I'm not... Now, before, again, everybody starts... I am not saying that the police officers are right for shooting these innocent dogs, and there has been times when they have been innocent, but on the other side, the police are going into houses that these people have actually put themselves in this situation too. The owners are as responsible, because if they hadn't have been, I was going to say something really bad then, naughty, (laughs) um, at the end (laughs) of the day, there would be no reason for the police to be going in the house anyway.
1: Yeah, and and although and and I agree with you with with one small caveat that yeah there again the officers have to use good sense on judging when you make what's called a tactical approach when you're sneaking up in the dark and and and, and going hello I'm right here how are you this morning um, yeah now if, if if I'm creeping through and have been there and done it creeping through the dark armed to the teeth looking for a murder suspect. That's one thing if i've getting if I've gotten a call of their stereos too loud or uh something minor like that, then my approach can be a lot different and I can go to the front door and if I see a dog in the front yard, I can actually beat my horn or maybe even have my dispatcher call the people at the home and say, "Would you please answer in your door? There's a police officer that wants to talk to you he doesn't want to." Get in conflict with your dog, and obviously your stereo is too loud that you can't hear him beeping his horn. Yeah. Again, it, it, it's it's you know, as a police officer, you're given a very tough job. You have to make a lot of decisions based on limited information very quickly that may have long-term consequences. So, what we need to do is give those officers all of the tools. They could possibly use to make those in the best way they can,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: without excusing those that are just simply simply acting like idiots, and there's a few of them out there too. you get them in every large organization.
4: The thing is, and I have got to say to the people in chat room, Jim, you're absolutely right. We have got to understand we have got idiots in every form of jobs and and careers and everything. But the thing is, though, so Jim, these people surely, and I've got to read what Paige has just put, maybe they should have an IQ test on them before they are allowed to become an officer.
1: Maybe.
2: <laughs>
4: I, mean? wouldn't
1: be, but, uh, I am not against any kind of process of weeding out people that are potentially problems or that can't make decisions under pressure. Um, you know, there's in most places there are, are, are like, In my department, I was actually part of the training process, and there were officers that that we recommended, I'm sorry, this guy shouldn't be trusted with anything sharper than a pencil. Um, No, he doesn't have what it takes to be a police officer. Get rid of him. Yeah. Um, So so I'm never against doing everything you can to winnow out uh, potentially bad matches to especially a very stressful and difficult job. Uh, like being a police officer, especially when it may risk someone else's liberty or their life to have the wrong person in that job
2: yeah so so
4: on that score, Jim, let's just go off the dog subject for a minute how How long do they have to be to um how long do they have to train to become a police officer and and how hard is the police officer training to actually get there in the first place? Let's you know. Never mind the dog situation. You know, I'm just talking on the whole. Yeah.
1: I, I can I can tell you that, for instance, my department here and in my state, which is Florida, the academy itself is somewhere around a thousand hours of class time. I, I know it, it used to be 760, but I believe they it up, jumped it it up to 900 and something, and that's just rear end in the seat or going to the range, and that's just basic training. Then when you come out of basic training, you go into the first stage of field training, where with my department, you, went, you spent at, at least 30 days at a time with three different senior officers, basically working with them and having them giving you on-the-job training. And at first, and trust me, at first you get a brand-new rookie, you don't let him do much of anything by himself except go to the bathroom. And then as you proceed through that training, you get to a point where you're finished with the hands-on training. Then you're put um, by yourself, but your supervisor and the officers around you are watching and, and working with you to help you continue to learn. And usually there's at least a year's probation where they can fire you simply for... For almost anything um if if you turn out to be unsuitable, so that's what that's the way it works here in Florida. Some departments have less, but you know that at least i think that thousand hours is pretty much uh standard across the u s for any police department in any for any police officer in any state. I know there in the u k you have police academies I don't know how many hours they go but i Suspect they probably go at least as long as our guys and um so so there are training and, and granted there's a lot they have to learn about law and force and and all kinds of stuff first aid yeah. p r but but it's it's not and it's and it's typically not easy to get hired in the first place to even go into the academy because it's a it's a In a lot of cases, it's a pretty prestigious job. You get to drive fast. You get to run red lights. You get to wear a gun. You get the cool uniform. You get the toys. (laughs) There's plenty of people that want to do it.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: For the most part, there there is a lot to do with – there is a lot there as far as trying to winnow out bad candidates. But you still, like with anything else, have people that will fool you. And you have people that when you – you finally put them on their own, they get a big head and get the authority complex and you wind up with them being less than you thought they were going to be.
2: Yeah.
4: yeah. See, now, now you, you just mentioned in the UK, now, obviously, in the UK, we don't have the guns. Actually, I'll rephrase that. We do have guns, but obviously, some are illegal and blah, blah, blah. But the police don't carry guns, not unless they're like riot police and blah, blah we have people that obviously have to go into the two different situations of the police that they go into situations and there's dogs and we haven't i'm not going to say we haven't got it over it all because i haven't found any in the uk that police have shot a dog except actually i did find one and it was um a Staffordshire bull terrier that literally had gone to the, um at this chap took a chunk out of his leg and started running. I'd had to go at somebody else and then got towards a park. And obviously they were concerned for safety of the kids and everybody on the park, and they shot it on the park.
1: Now, mm-hmm. or, or and if I remember somebody- correctly, on that case, they actually called in one of your special armed officers to do that because the re- the regular street officers didn't have anything. So, So they called one of your special squad or whatever people to do that. So yeah. they even went... So far as to have to call a specially qualified person to judge whether using force was proper in that situation.
4: But then, I, I like to play devil's advocate on the show, Jim, and I'm mm-hmm. going to say to you: so, from the time that the police officer took that um, took to get there to the scene. Imagine the devastation that could have happened to that dog. Now, apparently, if I'm right, if I can remember, I should have got the link up to be able to read to you. But they, I'm sure that they did actually pepper spray him or something, but it didn't stop him.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, that happens once in a great while. That's why I said 99%. With, with humans, yeah, for instance, pepper, pepper spray is, is effective between 85 and 90 percent of the time and every once in a while you get a person whether it's because of their physical makeup or because they're drugged out or whatever you spray them and they wipe their eyes and go you shouldn't have done that and the fight is on you know so that happens from time to time but um somehow in most of the cases you know in that case it it, might have been better if there had been an armed officer closer or right there but Somehow your guys in the U.K. are handling an awful lot of dogs. Um, you know, the U.K. has got, what, a population of 30 million or so, is it? Something oh, like that? I think
4: that. so, something like that, yeah.
1: Too um, many. <laughs> so, and, and, and lots of those 30 million people have dogs, and not all of them yep. are well-behaved. So somehow, somehow your officers are doing something other than shooting the dogs. So,
2: exactly. so that
1: tells me that the possibility is there. Yeah. Now I don't know if exactly. it's just the British. It, I don't. I I don't think it's just that British off British dogs are just that much more polite than American dogs. That would be the Canadian <laughs> dog. You know, yeah. The Canadians are always so polite, but uh, and I doubt that the British dogs are quite as rude as the French dogs, and I'm going to get in trouble for that. But uh, you know, but <laughs> I, I, I really don't think there's a big difference there. That the dogs somehow go, oh, I'm I'm in Shropshire and I have to be a polite dog, whereas if I was in Massachusetts, I could just simply bite this fellow.
4: <laughs> a, the thing the thing is, there's obviously going to be the um criminals in the UK that have got dogs trained to protect them because obviously they they doing stuff they shouldn't and the same things are going to apply here as what mm-hmm. as the same as in America you are going to have stronger dogs and uh, you know I'm not going to name them because I'll be told off again but uh, you know we're going to have big dogs that are there powerful and they're trained to tackle anybody that comes through that door
1: mhm and there we have seen it here in the US where there are literally dogs that have been taught um, most here in the u.s. most city police wear solid dark blue top and bottom uniform um, and most deputy sheriffs in the counties wear dark green top and bottom and we have seen cases where dogs have been taught by drug dealers to chase and go after anybody wearing dark blue or dark right. green So that happens but, um, you know, those situations I think are, are less common than the, the the situation where we have, for instance, in the Colorado case where the police and animal control were simply called because it was a loose dog. It wasn't arresting somebody. It wasn't hitting a drug, a drug den. It wasn't going after somebody who's been stockpiling weapons and trying to uh, resist taxes or somebody who's um who who's some kind of a racist weirdo that's that wants to foment revolution, it's you know, most of the encounters are people's pets. And um you know there's there's a big difference in how you how you should be approaching those different kinds of cases.
2: Yeah. Now I
4: need to ask you, I I two people have asked me to ask you now. Um uh, Nitro Foundation is actually in the chat room. Welcome to the show, and also Beth. Um, Sue, so mm-hmm. um, so please ask, Jim, what law-abiding pet-owning citizens like us can do to enact change, proper training to protect our companion animals. Now, we'll let you answer that one, and then we'll have a quick song. So answer that one first, Jim.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, the biggest thing that, that people can do is to press, locally pressure your local politicians and police officials to, to 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 push for this this kind of training and use the incidences where it has been an issue. Police departments hate negative publicity and hate looking bad. And understandably, they hate looking bad because most of the time they're doing good. So go to your local police chief and say, from the, from the last case out west, here is a case where a police officer shot a dog unjustifiably, and the, the owners were awarded $600,000 in damages. How much do you want to pay in damages if, when one of your guys messes up, or would you rather have, uh, you know get this training to your guys so that if somebody does something stupid, you can wash your hands it and say, we taught our people what to do, I can't stand there all the time and make them do it, so this is on the officer, not on us. We have done what we can do. Use use that local pressure. Go to your police chief. Go to your city council. Um, if you've got access to people on a state level, go to your state um, politicians and say, this is something that should be included in, in police training.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um
4: thank you for that now I've uh, oh, just got one more question before we have a song um christine um christine do you want to call in um to the show and we'll get you on literally live with uh, jim straight after the song is that okay jim that's fine okay so listen everybody uh if you want to if you are sitting in the chat room listening to myself and jim i'm thinking oh, hold on a minute i'm gonna ask a question i've got something to say or are, are you somebody that has actually had to deal with one of these situations please give us a call in, 347-327-9694. That's 347-327-9694. Or you can call in um, from the UK on 001-347-327-9694. And I'm going to play this song. It's one of my favorites. And this is for all the dogs that I've passed over and due to some trigger happy police. Back in a minute. The
1: whispers in the morning of lovers sleeping
2: tight,
1: all rolling by like bound now as I. In your eyes, I hold on to your body and feel each move you make.
3: Your voice is warming, tender,
1: a love that I call not for.
4: the Ask Sue Show. We have um, had quite a good first half of the show, and I would like to welcome back Jim Crosby to the show. Hi, Jim.
1: Hi, I'm still here.
4: (laughs) Bless you. I I must admit, I've just had a a mouthful of the cup of tea that Jamie made me, and it's a no-no. It it was made for a two-year-old child, so I decided to say a no to it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Now, where will I start next? I've just got to say, first of all, a big hello to Paige that's um, obviously I've spoken to you about, Jim, um, about uh, saving a bandit. She is in the chat room, and she is saying you know, about the fact that she's been waiting three years to get a bandit out of there. I've just seen somewhere else, and I'm just trying to move see where it was. Um, oh, Nitro. Paige, if I can fight for justice for my dog, Nitro, for over four years now... So can you never give up? We are here for you, and we'll support you. And do you know what, Jim? The support from all these people is amazing. You know, we, and this is what it's all about. It's about people actually connecting. And you know, there's a few of them saying, you know, that they need to get connected. We need to start pushing to our politicians, to the police, to the local police, wherever we are in the world.
1: Yeah. What? And and that's, and that's the, the answer. Is is not sitting and trying to point fingers of blame. At, at, at anybody, but getting everybody on the same, uh, on at least beginning the same page, and saying what can we all do to make, in this case, not only the animals' lives safer, safer, but the police officers' lives safer.
2: Yeah. And uh, and, and
1: I'm I'm familiar with Bandit's case because uh, I actually spoke to Bandit's attorney the other day, and we are going to be um, sharing more information on that.
4: Oh, do you know what, Jim? If I was in the US, I'd give you a massive hug right now, and I just want to say to everybody, this guy is amazing, right? And he doesn't blow his own trumpet, but this guy is absolutely fantastic. If people, and he's going to shout at me for this, but if you've got an issue with with the guns and and the police have done stuff, or there's anything, this guy is the one to talk to. He knows loads of people, and can I just say that I spoke to him the one day um, about Paige and about Sandy with Bandit, and the next day he was talking to them.
1: You, I, was, you know, I was fortunate enough that we were able to, to hook up pretty quickly, and, uh, and uh, like I said, their, their attorney um, has been out of town, but she was super in the fact that she called me from her vacation the next day to make sure that we connected and she, and we, she had the proper um contact information so that we can talk further on this case
4: yeah but the the thing is though jim you are a busy person but you make the time i mean i rang you up and straight away i said to you about the show and you did it and and i know you obviously you're going to say to me oh it's my job this is what i do but there's people that go out of the lines of their usual job and you do more than that and and i want to say to everybody in the chat room This guy doesn't have to come on my show. He put out the time for me to do this show so we can get our voices out there. And this is the guy that can actually help us so much. Even though there is times that both myself and Jim are chucking things back at each other and it sounds like we're supporting the police, we do to a certain degree, but also we don't accept the fact that these dogs are shot for no reason. And that is where Jim is coming in because he is going to be putting these courses in place for the police because it needs to be done. So for Jim to do this also, we need to help him too. If we start to get to the police and say to them, we need training for the police because this is wrong and that's happening and this, this, and this, whatever, Jim comes in play with his um, course and they go, hold on a minute, we've had quite a few people saying about this. This might actually work and that will get us off to our back. And,
1: and, so this and, is
4: where we can all work as a team. Yeah,
1: and, and thanks for what you're saying, but, and, and, and I, pre- I really appreciate it, and it's, it's it's what I feel like I have to do that is important for me to do. But and, and on on the training thing, I think it's very useful. I, I think I'm in kind of an, a unique position because I've been there, done that. I've spent a career as a police officer, so I understand what's going on with them. I know what they're facing because I've, been in the trenches and done the same thing and so I think that gives gives us the opportunity where I can say okay yeah I, I know what, what your job is I'm not trying to tell you to do something from, from the ivory tower I'm telling you with the mud on my shoes and the, the torn pants and everything what I've seen myself so I, yeah. I, I think that and, and having that experience whether it's with something like training like this, or working with these dogs on dog attacks and so forth, I, I think this is—it's it, it's why I feel like I have to to try and share this because I can come from a place of not just a, of great ideas, but but a practical experience and try to help yeah. folks on both sides of the issue. And, and yeah. you know, in the same way, if, if I look at a case and You've got a, a person where a case where a person has trained this dog to be dangerous and aggressive and blah, 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 and the dog went out and chased the policeman down and bit him. I'm fully willing to look at the person and go, hey, I feel sorry for the dog, but you need to go to jail because you're an idiot and your dog was a victim of you, not the police officer.
4: Yeah. Um, and the thing is, let's just change. Let me just sit on the. This is where I always get told off, but I'm going to sit on the police side for a minute. I am sure that if we spoke to this, I'm going to say whatever percentage of good police officers there are out there, they would appreciate the training. Surely.
1: Absolutely. I've talked. I've talked to officers who've told me we don't have this information. Where can we get it? I've got police officers contacting me saying, "What can I do? What, what are the resources out there? How can how can how can I find this?" Uh, not only with this use of force thing, but that's why I get contacted by departments with these, these serious attacks. They'll go, so, so look, we've never had one of these. We don't know what we're doing. Can you help? And, I'm, and I'm, always, I'm always very happy to do that. So there are a lot of good, solid officers. I would say most of them are good, solid officers. And your good officers typically are the ones you find the internet and looking for sources and looking for new ways and are receptive to ways to do their job better and safer.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, we've
4: got, i going to go to the phone lines here because we've got a, um, a couple of callers. Um Good. Right, let's go to area code 718. Hi, welcome to show. How are you doing? Hi,
5: Sue. It's Liz, Nitro Foundation.
4: Hello, my darling. Massive hugs to you. You know what it is. thank being. you it's a too. show and, and show um me. actually, Can I just
5: know? have one more quick question for Jim. okay. what if we put signage on our fences and gates and property would Would that have any influence on the police?
1: It should if they're if they're using fence, like I said. That's one of the things that we need I mean to like beware of dog. Would that make a difference to a police officer,
5: let's say before he jumps over my fence and goes into my yard?
1: I, I if you've got a reasonable officer who's using his brain, yes, yeah, it should it should make a difference. because we should be teaching the officers before you jump blindly. Look and see, is there a beware of dog sign up there? Do you see a chain where somebody's had a dog chained up and maybe it's not now? Do you see a dog bowl for crying out loud? Do you see dog poop when you look over the fence? You know, um, Anything you can do to warn an officer, and, and I'm not even saying warning because that kind of presupposes that, I'm, that, that your dog is somehow a, a negative issue. To alert an officer, hey, I've got pets here. To alert them, Um,
5: I mean, I'm sure we we we, all agree, you know, we're trying to protect our companion animals who may at the time just be in their yard on their property. And and most dogs that I come in contact with, when it's their property, they are protective of it, and
1: rightfully so. Exactly. And, And what I was going to say is, we, A lot of us who have pets, we put stickers on our windows to let the fire department know there's pets inside that may need to be rescued. So putting right. a notice on your, on, your, on your fence that, number one, if you're a police officer and you're coming in for something, you need to be aware there's a dog here. And number two, if something bad is happening, you need to be aware that there's a dog here and maybe you need to be uh, thinking about keeping my dog safe too. You know, if my house is on fire and the policeman's the first one there and there's a beware of dog sign and he looks around and there's a dog house next to the house, he may want to try to go in there and, you know, there's a lot, a lot of police officers or dog owners and animal lovers. They may wind up actually scooping up your animal and getting it out of harm's way. So there's nothing, to, there's nothing bad on a practical basis to having some kind of notice that dogs live here.
5: Right. No, I'm just trying to think of different ideas so that these horrific things don't keep happening.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now,
4: and, Nitro,
1: and can anything
4: you, like that's a good idea. Nitro, can you just tell Jim what you're doing? I want you to tell people what you're doing with Nitro's law.
5: All right. Maybe what Jim I'm doing is is alongside with you. To to tell you very quickly, long story short, due to a family emergency. Our dog, Nitro, was in a kennel in Ohio. I'm a New York City resident, Um, and, and he was being cared for by his trainer, kennel owner. The kennel owner, I don't know exactly what happened, but he obviously flipped out, and he starved eight dogs to death. There were 12 more dogs there that were found, but they were clinging to life. Um, What happened at that point is I was told by the prosecutor that animal cruelty in Ohio, no matter how horrific the abuse, is only a misdemeanor. So for the last four years, I've been working on with tons of Ohioans and people from all over the world to try to change the the law in Ohio from a misdemeanor to a felony. Excellent. And that's something
1: that that should be done across the country because in way too many places, the existing laws are insufficient in penalties for animal cruelty um, cases, and you also have prosecutors and judges who are reluctant to either pursue those cases or to sentence reasonably the people involved. I'm a 100%, hundred 1,000% behind what you're doing. And, for instance, last legislative session in the state of Georgia, uh, I had input on a friend of mine actually wrote the new uh, responsible pet owners uh, legislation in the state of Georgia, and we have upped um, penalties in the state of Georgia for uh, such incidences. So you're doing a great job. Keep up. Thank you. I do want to add me. one other thing
5: before I hang up, and I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I'll say it anyway. <laughs> Our son is a New York City police officer. And when he, of course, he's an animal lover coming from our family. <laughs> and um, when he went through training, he did come home several times and tell us that they received absolutely no training whatsoever as far as dogs are concerned.
1: And that's why we need to look at some of these cases and go: if we're not giving the guys the tools, then how are we expecting them to pull out of their butt a, a, a solution other than, than, than just simply blasting away. Um I'm, right. I'm glad I mean
5: and, and you know, for him to come home and say it, it definitely has to be a conversation at the house. And mm-hmm. I know he's doing his best to, to try to explain to them. I mean we're Rottie pitbull people. You know, mm-hmm. by telling them that not all Roddies and Pipples, of course, are out to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: I'm, I'm, I'm so
5: glad to
1: hear that, that, that your son's on the job in the city. My grandfather was a New York City cop, and my great grandfather I mean, was a cop
5: I mean, it is tough here, Jim. So, I mean, I do understand both sides of the fence.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I go, I go back to my great grandfather was a cop in Jersey City. So we've been cops in my family for. Six generation. <laughs> okay. Like 100, 140 years. We've, we've had We're a new family. police
5: family, so this is a little hard on us.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Bless you.
5: Um, uh, do you know what thank you saying? so much, Sue, and thank you, Jim. And and I will do all I can to raise awareness and, and mm-hmm. have people write to their police departments, and not only in New York, but in Ohio and everywhere, and 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 their and legislators. I mean, writing the legislators is very important.
1: And yes. contact me if I can be of assistance in your efforts with Nitro's Law. You can get me at, spell the words out completely in lowercase, the word canineaggression, all run together, canineaggression okay. at, at gmail.com. And Thank you so much. Wants, that's if anybody Nit- wants to get in touch with me. It's canineaggression at com.
4: Nitro, I'll send you all the info on inbox, okay?
1: Thank you so much, too. Great
4: show. Um, Nitro, I want to ask you one last favor. How do you fancy yes. coming on the show next week? Me and you will do a show about Nitro Law. That would week. be
5: wonderful, Sue. Thank you.
4: Right, listen, I'll be in touch with you, okay?
5: Okay. Bye-bye.
4: You look after yourself. Thanks for calling in. Bless her. Um, obviously, another one that works so hard behind the scenes, just trying to get things to be changed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, let's go to the next caller. We've got um, area code 561. Hi, how are you doing? Welcome to the show.
6: Thank you, Sue. How are you?
4: I'm okay, thank you. Who am I speaking to?
6: This is Justice Bully Boss in Kalua.
4: Oh, a bit of massive hugs for you. This has been my star, Jim. She sent me all the links, um, and let me just say, caused me to have a Facebook ban for spamming via doing inboxes, telling people about the show. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, How are you I doing love? I can hear who she was.
4: Now just now how'd you say sorry justice bully boss and Kahlua. Ah, okay. Okay, t- tell us the story.
6: Um my husband was out of town on that particular day. It was August 14th, 2012. Um I was out doing some errands and I came home in the afternoon. I had animal care and control in my driveway and police officers, you know, surrounding my driveway, I pull up, I get out. The cop comes up and says to me that they were here to arrest my friend and that they had to shoot my dogs, just like he had steak for dinner last night. And I do have a fully fenced one acre and a quarter piece of property that does have Beware of Dog signs on the fence. They obviously knew the dogs were here. When they showed up to arrest my friend for a misdemeanor, They did not get invited onto the property. They just walked in through the fence, threw my friend to the ground. He asked them to get back out of the fence because the dogs were out. They waited for the dogs to run up, and they shot all three of them. The misdemeanor consisted of being arrested for a violation of a restraining order, which was taken out by his stepdaughter when she got upset with him because he got upset because an 18-year-old was dating a 42-year-old man. So... This whole thing was over a phone call that he had made to her, and she called the police. And since she happened to know where he was going to be that day, she brought them here.
1: See, And that's, and that's where judgment has to start coming in. What part of the country are you in? I didn't recognize the area. But.
6: I'm in the U.S. I am in Florida. Oh, you're here
1: in Florida. Okay. Yes. Um, I would say that, that that you should think seriously about um, having somebody look into that case, because here you have the situation where it, it seems that there there may have been a lack of judgment. You think? And, and, and you know, uh, and again, I'm just all I know is is what you're telling me here. I really don't know anything about the case, but you know, if there if there was a lack of judgment, a lack of reasonable action then then there should probably be some remedial action of some kind, whether it was the department internally or whether this was action taken legally from outside. If the department is not addressing it, then, then you should um, consider looking at other options of, of ways to hold people responsible because the bottom line is, and the way particularly in, mostly in, the, in most of the U.S., but particularly here in Florida, what happens, because, you know, granted, dogs are, are, are considered to be property, and shooting your dogs means that the law enforcement agency has conducted what they call here in Florida a legal taking of your property, and there has to be justification for a police department to perform a legal taking. It's like they can't just walk up to you on the street, after you run a red light and take your car away from you, they have to have proper reason. So that's probably something that you should reach out and um, and, and and have someone look into it and and see what the situation is. And we're already um, doing that.
6: We've put in a complaint good. with with to internal internal affairs, which they Let's were completely they were completely useless. They sent us a letter stating that. Their investigation is over, although they never sent anyone out to here to inspect the property or to speak to anyone. They didn't send send anybody out here to speak to us. They sent us a letter stating that they could not prove or disprove our claim, and if we had any more information or evidence to submit, do so within the next 10 days, or it will be considered closed.
1: Okay. So so you need to pursue that a little further. I can tell you, having been a police officer here in Florida, there there are some issues there. If they had a warrant and if depending on the information they were given there there would have been under some circumstances they would have had the legal ability to enter that property despite the signs because From what warrant, I'm
6: understanding from Florida law not on a misdemeanor and they did arrest him, you, they put you, him in jail. You've been,
1: you, You've been misinformed because if I look over and see somebody in a fence on a misdemeanor and I'm if, if I was still active as a police officer and it's got do not trespass signs and the guy standing in the yard and says, bite me, go away, too bad, so sad, you go to jail anyway. Now, now if it's not based on a warrant or a court order and it's just um, uh, some kind of a minor misdemeanor that just happened, that's different. But if it's a warrant, then yeah, I can I can I can break down your gate or cut open your lock and come and snatch your smiling little little face right off the right off uh, well, the, Yes, the lawn. and I understand
6: I understand that my smiling little face on my property. But he did not live here,
1: so doesn't, even if they did, if, he does even not, if
6: they did have a warrant for his arrest, it was not for this address.
1: Doesn't matter. Under Florida law, it doesn't matter. They can go. If they see him inside the fence on your property, they can go get him off of it. So in that case, well then, in my opinion, that is giving
4: you
6: people way too much power because I have nothing to do with that situation. Right. And the fact that they just kept him in jail overnight and let him out the next morning on his own recognizance, plus gave him time served, is enough to tell me that it wasn't a big enough crime to come in my yard and shoot my animals like that.
1: I I agree. I agree, but the the, the 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 point I'm making is the simple fact that he was on your property. If there was a warrant for him, that they still have the authority to arrest there. Now, going and shooting your dogs is going another another step that's a little bit ridiculous. And obviously, from the 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 punishment he didn't get, it wasn't such a big deal. Which is where judgment of that's my point. Is, is this worth you know, uh if I if I again the illustration I use, if I'm chasing somebody for or, or or trying to grab somebody that shoplifted a candy bar, is it worth it for me to risk my life running through six lanes of rush hour traffic after the guy? No. <sighs> too too bad, so sad. I'm not going to get killed by somebody driving down the road at at seventy miles an hour just to catch a guy for a nipple candy bar. It's it's not happening. So mm. The officers need to, you know, and, and you have to do it all the time. Officers have to judge: is this worth the cost? And, and in the case of animals, we have to think: is catching this person right now worth worth the cost of these two animals' lives? Is it right. even worth? Do, is it even worth doing all the paperwork? And I would say no, because that case generated an unbelievable ton of paperwork. Forget the loss of the dogs and everything else. That, to me, from what you're describing, was not worth what they had to go through. It wasn't worth what I had to go through.
6: You know, as far as I'm concerned, my my civil rights were stomped all
1: over. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm simply, you know, boiling it down to the most basic, simple, craft, you know, base we can. You know, my my response to the the officers then as the supervisors would have been, what were you guys thinking? You have created a huge mountain over what should have been an anthill.
4: See, uh, please don't take this the wrong way when I say this, right? But let's just be on the other side of the fence. That guy that was the other side of the fence, I don't know what he did or anything, and I don't want to know what he did or whatever, but... Let's just say that somebody stole your car, and you heard three days later the police saw him over a fence, but they didn't go to and arrest him because he was in somebody else's yard. Would you be happy?
6: I think that I probably would. if they, Because, see, this, this particular person has been arrested before, so they know where he lives.
2: Uh-huh. They know
6: where he lives. They know what time he gets home from work. They know exactly where he's at. He's one of those people that do not like cops. You know, he makes He's that, a regular. Yeah, no, he's not really a regular, but he just makes it pretty clear that he does not like cops, which he has every right to not like cops. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not a bad person. He's just been you know, crapped on by them for so long and it got to the point where they were harassing him on a daily basis so he just started kind of fighting back and you know, he's not mm-hmm. really a regular but you know, he does voice his opinion. But I mean, that's your right. You have a right to voice your opinion. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, please it listen. It doesn't have to be, I professional. Am be They
4: do. Can can I just say to you that I am behind you one hundred and fifty percent? Right. I, there is all of these dogs. I am a dog lover. I've got three dogs myself. And do you know what? My heart goes to you. And I, I could, if I could reach to you to give you a big, massive, a glove, I would. What I'm saying is, criminals bring that on themselves too. He's got to have a certain amount of guilt for this as well. He, oh, and if he these does. People
2: he certainly drumming, does. Uh, but he the
4: thing does. is, let's go, let's go back a little bit further. Are the laws strong enough protecting um, us innocent people from criminals in the first place? If we've got decent laws out there that the police could put into force in the first place, then these people would be thinking twice before they went and did crime. Right. So it's such a big, massive umbrella, and this is what I try to say to people on the Sue show every single day. And, and I understand, understand. And
6: I understand that too. I do. But you know, we, when we. I'm looking at someone who did a day in jail, was let out on their own recognizance, and given time served, that crime that they were after him for was certainly not not worth destroying my family over because I had nothing yes. to do with it.
4: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I totally agree. What were the What were the dogs actually like? Now I'm not what what would how were they acting when the police actually went in?
3: Well, I
6: I I do not know. I do know that how they do usually act when somebody shows up at the gate and they go running and barking to the gate and you know, Boss was a big boy so he'd like to jump up to the top of the gate, you know, and say hi, but he never even got the chance to do that because they were in the fence, you know, already trespassing onto my property and just waiting for him to run up and shot him as they were running up. Now, from what I understand, Busk, the big guy, got aggressive after he was shot the first time, you know, which is understandable. You pissed him off. You know, no, you injured him. Now he's mad. So that was the only time that he had gotten aggressive, according to my friend. And, you know, he's here a lot. He knows those dogs. Those dogs know him. They were friendly dogs. They've never bit anyone. I mean, I had five dogs on this property at one time, and they were all – you know, basically from the same family, and they all got along great. I never had dog fights. They just were not those kind of dogs. I didn't train them to be that way. I don't want a mean dog. I don't like mean dogs. I want my dog to you know, respect me, (laughs) love me, and love everybody else. I don't want a mean
4: dog. But the thing is, dogs automatically protect and that's what the exactly. police need to understand. You know, at the end of the day, why on earth didn't they, before, like, jumping fences and trying to get in and shooting the dogs, why didn't they at least talk to this guy and say, listen, there's going to be stuff going on. If you don't get out of there, we're going to have to come in, and then there's going to be real trouble. Exactly, is it, is, and I know is, him well is,
6: enough to, where if all they had to say is, Mr. Woodman, we're here to take you in, he would have walked outside the gate and given him no, no you know, he's never resisted arrest, ever. You know, so you know, in the three or four times he's been ar- arrested, he's never uh, resisted arrest. There's no reason for them to come barreling through here like they did, because all they had to do was ask, and he would have taken yeah. himself off the property. It, it, so, that so opportunity they, was never given.
4: So they never even asked him to come off the property or anything. They just charged him like bulls in a yeah. China but he shop. never
6: even knew that they were here until they were already thirty feet through my gate. And by the time he got up with his hands up they threw him to the ground and when they threw him to the ground they started shooting.
4: So they'd actually got him and that's when the do- that's when they decided on the dog so they hadn't even give anybody a chance to even try to put the dogs away or anything else? No.
6: Nope.
4: D- Jim, what what's the chances of of actually been able to prove these police that they've done wrong. You know, how easy is it for us, normal I'm going to say normal folk, to be able to prove the police wrong? Is it easy to do?
1: It it can be difficult because, you know, without any physical evidence, it's one of those he said, she said kind of deals. Um, For instance, in the case in Colorado, we're fortunate that we actually have video of what happened, and that makes life a lot easier um in this particular case there there, there are, there's quite actually quite several issues going on here but um for, for instance i would i would have had them look at the bullet wounds to the dog because and, and i've seen this in a case myself so I'm, so i can actually say that, that that it's applicable i had a case when i was in, in doing animal control where the person says that the dog charged them, and they fired in self-defense. But when we did an necropsy on the dog, the fatal wounds came from behind the dog. They they passed from back of the dog towards the front of the dog.
2: Yes, and that's possible we got
1: the we, we we was,
3: back. And we
1: recovered the slugs. And the weapon they said they used wasn't the same thing we recovered the slugs from, and so that made their case go right down the tubes because it was there was physical evidence where I could show that their story didn't hold didn't hold water. It well, they've already given three
6: stories way. on my account.
1: They've um, given so, different so stories on my where, account. Yeah, that's where it can be important to have. Um, a necropsy by a veterinarian, which is basically it's the same as an autopsy, it's just on an animal instead of a human, um, where they take X-rays and document the, uh, the injuries, and and you can actually tell forensically at least what the physical evidence says. And, and like I said, in this case, for instance, you could tell whether the dog was shot coming at them or running away because if the dog was shot in the back, then, I'm sorry, um, I, I have one of my dogs that, um, depending on his stomach condition, uh, his his south end can be kind of uh, smelly, but uh, I don't think him backing up towards me would justify me in shooting him. <laughs> um, much exactly. as he might be feeling the paint off the walls. Uh, the, so, you know, that... It's, and and, and if, if you're involved in such a, a, an unpleasant kind of situation, it can be important to, to think about, okay, what physical evidence is there, and if the police yeah. aren't collecting it, at least have somebody involved. Right. Uh, I, uh, I hired my own.
6: I hired my own private investigator who's been out and, yeah. and he did his own investigation. I'm not. And, I'm and not messing around with the department anymore because,
1: you know, Rick Bradshaw and and play with whatever they want. Is, did you have a necropsy done on the dog's body?
6: No, I did not. I didn't even know anything about those. Um, and at the time, like you, I said, I was home by myself.
3: All I had here was did,
6: my 16-year-old daughter, what, and I had three, three dogs, and the, and the smallest one was 80 pounds.
1: Yeah. So what did you do? What did you do with the body of the dog?
6: They're all three buried in my yard.
1: Okay, they weren't cremated. No. Then you could actually pay somebody to come. And ex- or you could have somebody physically exhume those dogs, even now six months later, and there is physical evidence that could be gathered from that exhumation and examination of the dog's bodies. Yeah, I'll have to look into that then. There is still physical evidence that could be, as long as the dogs weren't thrown in the landfill or cremated, No. Um, there, there's actually a course that I've been part of that is given to animal control it's main, mainly meant for cruelty cases, but through University of Florida, on how to do exhumations of animals and collect evidence. So okay. it, it's not only possible; it's done on a regular basis. Okay, um, I'll have to look into that. Especially then. these cases where you uh, you find that somebody had, you know, fifty dogs that they've been burying in the back and they were starving them, or whatever. Yeah, we can dig that stuff up and 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 I, we can go through it. I've done it, and we can tell you what happened. Okay, I
6: can look. In, I can look into that then because. Um, he did ask me, ma'am, what do you want us to do with the dogs? And I said, leave them here. I'll bury them. And he actually good. had the audacity to say to me, good, less work for us.
1: See, and that's oh, a an you know, problem. that needs to
4: be fixed. I, I'm not being funny. I would have saved time and I'd have just shot the twat myself.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, if I would have had
6: my pistol on me that day, I probably Jesus. wouldn't be here
1: i will uh, it didn't come to that, but, you know, you, you're, you're still not out to lunch on the evidence because the evidence is still there.
6: Yeah, the evidence is still so here. And somebody had even said to me, I'm surprised they let you keep the dogs because you have the evidence in your yard. Yes. They
1: probably didn't think you, it through.
4: No, probably not. Do you know not. what? I, I can just, can I just say to you, Jim, I think the biggest information I can say to people tonight is what you've just said in the last few minutes. If they've been shot, don't let them have their bodies. If if your dog gets shot, do not let them take away your evidence and get those dogs. If they are if they've already passed away or if they're injured or whatever, get them straight to the vet so that you can get the assessments done and you've got your evidence straight away. And, and, and like so I said, I would have
3: loved get to have an done this differently.
1: Respect. Yeah, and get an independent professional that's not tied to the police or particularly you. That right. way they can they can give you an objective report, and uh, even if it's somebody you hired, it's still an objective, independent report right. That uh, that's based on the forensics, not on right. who says what. It's based right. on what's there. Right. Yes.
6: And that's what we've done so, so far. But like I said, I would have liked to have done things differently, but I was here by myself. I'm 105 pounds, if I'm lucky. I have a 16-year-old daughter who's 82 pounds. If she's lucky, and it was her and I, and it was, I have a 120-pound dog, I have an 85-pound dog, and I have an 80-pound Gosh. dog. I am alone. I had to call. I had to call in for help. You know, I had to call one of my husband's friends to come over here and help me because all I could think of is I have to get this cleaned up and taken care of before my husband gets home or I'm gonna have a dead husband because he would have done just that. He would have gone to the police station and I don't think he would have cared too much what happened after that. That's what I was afraid of. So I didn't yeah. have time to try to get three dogs loaded into whatever I could find get to the to the get to the bed. I was in such a an un, you know, a state of shock of for one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, all I I'm knew sure. was my husband could not come home to the massacre that had occurred in my yard where there was blood from one end to the other. Inside my garage, one of my dogs had thrown up. Oh, I mean, goodness. it was the most disgusting, horrendous thing I had ever seen in my life. And those were my babies that were laying there. That's what killed me the most.
4: Do you know what uh-huh. Kim? Can, can you just, um, I, I'm trying to juggle a chat room, and if I could give this poor woman a hug right now, I would, because I tell you what, everybody listening to me this tonight, I promise you, right, we are going to have another show of this, because this is horrendous, and this should not be happening. But do you know what, Jim, I think I'm right in saying, um, I, I think if me um, and yourself, Jim, um, and you as well, um, I've forgotten your name on the phone, is it Liz? Sorry, what was your name? Kathy? Kathy and Nitro, I think the four of us need to be able to put a list together of what, if people, ha, first thing I need to ask, Jim, how long can the bodies be buried until it's too late to take their bodies back up to be able to get this evidence? Because I'm sure there might be people out there right now thinking, well, it's 12 months ago since mine, it might be too late. How long?
1: Depends on the on the climate. Here in Florida, it's they are they are going to decomp, especially down in South Florida, they're going to decompose sooner. But we're—you're we're still in the window. The—the um, the ones that the, the training is conducted on uh, at, at University of Florida, those are in the ground for six to eight months. Um, It—the longer it goes, it depends on the kind of evidence. If it's recovering, simply a bullet. Even if the, if the animal has become completely skeletal, the metal bullet is still contained within what used to be the the physical outline of that animal and can be recovered. If there's injuries to bone, that will you know we can we can or, or forensic anthropologists can look at murder cases from the Roman era and tell that some or even before and tell that somebody was was hit over the head with a, with a hatchet or something. Bone injuries last forever. Um, soft tissue stuff, it's much shorter. Uh, recovering things like blood samples and so forth, it's much much shorter. It just depends. If if this, if it was a case where the animal was in in northern Minnesota, and it happened uh, just before the first freeze, and the ground has been frozen ever since, then you've got a much longer window. So it depends on the case, on the climate, and on which what evidence you, you're 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 collecting. But um, you'd be surprised how much you can get, even substantially down the road, as far as physical evidence. Look, we do it with with human murder cases all the time. People are exhumed years and and even sometimes centuries later, and and forensic uh, autopsies are done on them. And there's an incredible amount of information uh, that can be gotten. So it depends. So. So, Lauren, what people need think. to
4: realise. Let Let's just very quickly for the ending. Of, I know we're coming to the end of the show. Just everybody needs to realise that if your dogs have this has happened to your dogs and you've buried your dogs, there is chance that there is still evidence that can be used. Obviously, very upsetting to take your dogs back up after this time. But you know, if it means that proof and evidence and people can be done for this stuff, then so be it. But also. If this happens to anybody, what I'm going to do is I want to work with Nitro and Kathy and Jim, and maybe we can put a list of things that people need to do. You know, that if something like this happens, you know, obviously somebody gets it on Facebook and gets in touch with me or Nitro or Kathy or whatever and says, this has just happened. My dog, the dog has just been shot. What should I do? We need to be able to give them a list of what they need to do straight away because some I things agree. are quite important, aren't they, Jim, to be able to do them as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, that, that's true. And remember, the other thing you have to be careful of is, you know, it's it's always an emotional issue, so we don't want to just automatically assume that the police officers are always wrong because sometimes they're doing what they have to do. Approach it as let's find out what happened, and if, and if the police officer was justified, So be it. If the police officer was wrong, then let's fix the problem. Um,
2: Yeah, you know we have got
1: to, but yeah, that you know just like anything else, you know, even though I'm again a a retired police officer, I'll tell you if even if I especially if I haven't done anything, if I never grabbed for something, the first thing I'm going to do is shut up and call my lawyer. Yeah, because you know that's that's just simply what you do to protect yourself. Whether it's right or not, uh, yeah, which all do. I have seen situations where people have tried to get others arrested for things they didn't do, just out of personal enmity. And the officer can only operate on the information they have in front of them. But, like I said, whether I did something or not, the first thing I would do is shut up and call my attorney, um, right. rather than trying to to talk it out and fix it. So, yeah, there, are, yeah. And, and and I recommend anybody do that. Simply because there's there's always the possibility that somebody has has set up that poor officer to do something that that he wouldn't do if he had the full information. But you may make the situation work by trying to make it go away. Let a professional deal with it. Right. Yeah. I have um, Jim,
4: one other question sorry. for you, Jim. Yeah, go on then, Kathy, because we've got another caller as well, so I'll fetch them in. Um, area code 712, you're on the line, but just hold on one moment. We'll just get Kathy to ask this question. Go on, Kathy.
6: Okay. Um, I was told by by a neighbor and also by the gentleman that was here that approximately 15 rounds were fire, fired off at my dogs. 15 that often sounds
1: to me like they need to go back to the range and learn to shoot better.
6: 15, 15 rounds. Now, I don't know how many actually hit the dogs. I think Boss was hit probably four or five times, and I'm not sure about the other two. But, you know, my question was is, you know, what if there had been a child running, you know, here and was yeah. running out there to see what on earth was going on and been hit yeah, by one of
1: those there's,
6: 15 stray there's bullets? A, there's a
1: lot, right, There's a lot of what-ifs there, and, you know, all of those should be looked at because, you know, did the officer have what we call a proper backstop where he knew where those rounds were going and did, was the backstop appropriate to make sure that nobody else got injured? There, there well, the backstop
6: is buttons. basically all the cars that were in my driveway.
1: Uh, and see that, again, that depending on the situation, that may or may not be appropriate because bullets bounce around and cars don't catch them all. And uh, right. what, if, you know, what if somebody was sitting in one of the cars? So there's exactly. a lot of what what ifs there that, that all needs to be looked at at collectively.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Right. Sorry, can I uh EMI code seven one two. Hi, how are you doing? Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. This is Christine, uh the owner of Mary Jane that was shot by an officer.
4: Hi, Christine. I'm sorry to have left you so long. Um, we've got four minutes. Now, I have said to everybody, we will be having another show a week today. Christine, if, if we'll see how much we can get through. If not, you can come on the show next time as well, okay? That's fine. <laughs> okay, go on, Christine.
0: Well, I mean, luckily, my dog actually survived the shooting. Um, it happened August 26, 2012. Um, try to make a long story short... Um, my 9-year-old stepson had taken her out to the yard along with our two little mini weenie -weenie dogs to go to the restroom. The officer was supposed to be going to a supposedly vandalism on a house next door, but instead of him going to the house, he walked directly into our yard and shot our dog, which was basically about 5 feet directly in front of, uh, my nine-year-old stepson. So he was in the line of fire, basically. And, uh, they, I mean, we have proof she was shot in the yard. She, after the shooting, she crawled out to the street towards him. Basically, what the neighbors said for help and, uh, where there's blood, so there was uh, she, and she flopped around. So there was blood. Ended up being in the street. one well, when the chief showed up, because there was blood in the street, he took the police's story. They didn't investigate. They said they were going to investigate. They never investigated. Never asked anybody any questions, anything. And we got a note in the mail saying that the investigation was over
1: and we were being charged. Quick question, did they take pictures of the entire crime scene and the blood at the time of the incident?
0: No, the only uh, blood, the only pictures they took was the one blood spot that was in the street, which there was blood everywhere. I mean, I don't understand why they took. And then they took a picture of her off the Internet from, she was on television, where it showed, to me, dry blood on her nose where she was shot at. Mm-hmm. and said it was... Uh, uh, you know the from the bullet that proved supposedly it was close up or something I don't know, but yeah, they did not take pictures of yeah. of it anywhere, and her teeth were blown out of her mouth, and there was blown out around her in the yard. We took pictures of this, took the teeth, and everything they would not let us use any of this in court would not let us use the picture. She was standing right next to our driveway in the yard, and our truck was right next door. When, next
1: to her when she had all gotten of that shot, in, all her of that blood was all over the, the truck. The, yeah, all the documentation of the blood in the yard, and the truck, and the teeth, and everything else that should be should have been acceptable and and looked at by somebody. Because yeah, they
0: wouldn't they wouldn't allow even,
1: it. Even 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 just drag marks. You can look I have at, pictures of drag marks, marks where she
0: drug herself into the street. I have drag, I have pictures of that as well, and that when they would not allow that in court.
1: I see that's that that is evidence that should have been, and I don't know why they didn't. But drag marks, blood marks, you can I can look at blood and tell you what direction it came from as far as splatter marks, and also drag marks and smear. You can tell the difference between dro- blood that's dropping down and blood that's been transferred. So there's there's a lot of potential physical evidence there that sounds like we should have been considered. I don't know why, but it, it should have been
0: considered. Yeah, and then the, on top of it, the officer used his his own personal forty five gun, and after the fact, he, my son my stepson was hysterical and was screaming, she's bleeding all over, and he looks at my son laughing, saying, yeah, because she's got a forty five slug stuck in her ass. And we had many witnesses that heard this and they wouldn't even allow that in court and they wouldn't allow my stepson to go to court to testify
1: it sounds like you need to take it another step because the whatever court you went to wasn't far enough well yeah we we asked for for a judge
0: that wasn't in our town and
1: they were supposed to go that
0: morning and they waited to the afternoon so they had their judge
4: Christine, I'm sorry we've come to the end of the show. Jim, thank you very much for joining the show. I'm sorry we're down to the very last seconds. Thank you very much to everybody. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?